Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hello everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. And this is the podcast where we explore the pre-crisis DC multiverse and the legacy of the Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Age. Mm. And it's the Golden Age characters we're looking at today, folks. It's generally sort of commonly held that Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash, appearing in issue 123 of Barry Allen's The Flash comic, is the first time that a Golden Age character sort of reappeared with a Silver Age character. But it's not. In our researches, in our preparation, Peter and I have established, and, and to be honest, I haven't really seen this reported very much elsewhere before nope. we started talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Flash 123, the first appearance of Jay Garrick in the Silver Age, it's not the first time that a Golden Age character was revived by DC. Isn't that right, PZ? Yes. And the thing is, before the next characters appear, because there's three of them, they're actually requested. So, yeah, so the letters page of issue 116, there's a letter from... Someone we're going to talk about a lot later on in this yeah. podcast. This person's going to end up writing an awful lot of the stories that we're going to talk about much later on. Probably about a third. Probably, <laughs> possibly even more. I don't know, yeah. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so... And that is Roy Thomas. Now, so Roy Thomas is someone who grew up as a young comics fan and worked... Very successfully from with Marvel from what nineteen sixty to run about seventy seven some seventy eight seventy nine yeah. something like that. He worked with and for Stan Lee and was also Marvel's editor in chief for for a good long time. He mm-hmm. wrote very well regarded runs on stuff like the Avengers mm-hmm. and he kind of brought Conan to Marvel Comics Absolutely, all that sort yes. of stuff. Roy Roy's a very 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 important sort of comic creator. So um he was also so a fan. One of Roy's letters is published um and. Pete and his research managed to find actually some some of Roy's letters published in really early numbers of was it Fantastic Four? Yes, uh-huh. yeah. Got um, we'll talk about those at some point probably. But um, in issue one hundred and sixteen of the Flash, um, there is this epistle in Flashgrams that says, "Dear Editor, as a follower of Flash since he originally wore Mercury's silver winged cap and little red shoes, and as one of the first to believe that the new Flash is superior in appearance to the one introduced a couple of decades ago, I would like to offer a couple of suggestions." First of all, I missed the three dimwits, Blinky, Blinky and Noddy. Though a little like the three stooges, they were hilarious nonetheless. And even in the excellent drawing style of your award-winning flash artist, Carmine Infantino, I think they would fit in. Why not revive them in a story or two and see the reaction from your readers? He then goes on to talk about Kid Flash and other points in the series. We'll actually post a copy of the letter on our Facebook page, so follow us there if you don't already. Right. So that's 116. He asks for Winky, Blinky and Noddy. Were they basically sort of supporting characters? Yeah. What was, how, how frequently did they turn up? And, and... They were comedy sidekicks uh, to, to The Flash. Basically in the Golden Age, uh, there was never any doubt that the hero was going to win. Right. Uh, and basically it was all about just having fun. And there was very few supervillains then. Uh, it was more like just bank robbers and just standard criminals. And you know, things that just get in the way of the heroes. Yeah. And the, the, com- comedy sidekicks were mm. quite common then, and Winky, Blinky and Noddy, as Roy said, were based on the Three Stooges. Yeah. And it's quite it's quite obvious when you sort of, when you look at them, they have mm. that sort of, um, they have that air of them, yeah, don't they? Absolutely. We, you know, other, other comedy sidekicks, um, some of whom we'll, we'll meet actually as we go along, like um, Green Lantern, the original Green Lantern, his his pal Doiby Dickles. Yes. Who drove a taxi cab, and then there was... Percival Pop, the super cop, him, yes. who eventually 
replaced the Spectre in mm-hmm. his own series, and even I think um, the Justice Society member Johnny Thunder was a bit of a, a he, jokey character. He was like his own comedy his, his, yeah, his own. Yeah. And of course, he was um, eventually replaced by another character who we will talk about at length in the future. So, Flash issue one one six has a letter from Roy, mm-hmm. Roy Thomas requesting the the Dimwits. Yes. Um, and then, of course, the characters then appear in the next issue, 117. But what, what was the editorial reply to Roy's request before the story appeared, Pete? Well, uh, Julie Schwartz, I think it's Julie Schwartz, because he was the editor at the time, uh, says, Winky, Blinky and Noddy were such outrageous cartoony caricatures that we feel they would be out of place in the more realistic treatment we give the modern age Flash. However, we like a good laugh as well as the next fellow. So perhaps one of these issues, the Dimwits will return to plague the fastest man on Earth. One of these issues turned out to be the very, the next, very next issue. issue. I mean, how, how's that for service? You can imagine Roy absolutely losing his nut, you know, <laughs> punching, punching the air, telling his mom, telling his pals, dashing off a letter to, to Jerry Bayliss or whatever. Immediately after Roy's letter, we get issue 117. So on the cover, um, we have the Flash squaring up to, to Captain Boomerang. So is that the, that's the first, the first appearance? Captain, so here first, comes Captain Boomerang. So yeah, yes. the, the, main, the lead issue, the lead story in this issue is the first appearance of Captain Boomerang, who is still around in one form or another. A version of the character appeared in the, the Legends of Tomorrow and elsewhere in the DC TV series. And even so, the Suicide um, Squad movie. That's right, of course. Yeah, I completely uh-huh. forgot about that. Exactly. You know, in one ear, in one eye, and out the other, that Suicide Squad <laughs> movie, I tell you. Are we going to talk about the Suicide Squad at any point in this podcast? Probably not. No, no that's, that's interesting, that's isn't it? Much, that's well yeah, anyway, um, not even the... Anyway, so, not no. Flash 117, lead story with Captain Boomerang, and then the second story is entitled The Flash Introduces Winky, Blinky and Noddy. And this basically starts off, gives us a few panels for each of the three characters. Um, Noddy, who is a sort of chubby sort of chap with um, sort of receding black hair, and a white top hat and a very neat moustache. And then we meet Blinky. Probably called Blinky because his, his sort of long blonde fringe is hanging in front of his eyes and he can't see. Blinky's having a bit of bother at his new job. And then two doors down the street, we hear about Winky, who um, gave someone a bottle of glue instead of a can of anchovy paste. So they're all rubbish at their yeah, jobs. They're all set up as being rubbish at their jobs. They yeah. all get fired. Yeah, they all get fired. And they literally bang their heads together with a, th- with a clunk to try and come up with an idea of how they can raise money and they decide that they're going to build a mechanical brain. So they get all these different parts. There's like a bus stop sign. There's a gramophone record player. There's lots of uh, drain pipes. There's just bits of woods getting hammered together to form this mechanical brain. It's so weird compared it's, to the usual Flash story. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, Barry especially, the, the, the initial Barry Allen stories, very... A very sort of very sleek, sort of almost science fictiony a lot of the time. Yeah. Very, very, very science based. Yeah. yeah. Carmen Infantino's art was just really, at this point, really precise, really crisp, clear lines, you know, not exactly futuristic, but very sleek. That that 50s mm-hmm. imagined you know, version of, you know, what the future would be, you know, cars yeah. with big fins and all that, like, yeah. all the guys wearing the hats, mm-hmm. ladies in pencil skirts, that sort of thing. So this is about as far away from that as far away from the norm for the a Barry Allen story as possible. I mean, mm-hmm. one amongst this, amongst all the, the bunk making up, there's, there's a can of olive oil and a sign that says post no bills, <laughs> which is tremendous. So they've obviously just gone around and bought a lot of crap to, to put this together. Then ask the mechanical brain how they can make a thousand dollars. And it gives them an answer. It tells them to buy dirt cheap and sell it high. And they take that very literally. They dig up their own lawn 
and start selling their dirt. And Barry and Iris eventually turn up on what page four. Yeah. So Barry being the Flash and yeah. Iris being she are they engaged yet at this point? Yeah, uh, it doesn't. Not at this no. point. No. Iris His girlfriend. Yeah. <clears throat> Iris West being Barry's you know love interest. Uh, so yeah, they're basically going past and saying, well, "Why would anyone want to buy that dirt?" So literally on page four of his own story, he's only just appearing in it as Barry. So anyway, some person stops and says, I'll buy all the dirt you've got, 10 cents a pound. And yeah, just so happens that uh, Blinky's found a treasure chest in, in all right, the so, dirt. So yeah, so the, while they're digging out the front garden, he's found a, he's found this. Um, as I, I want to mention this here, there's a lovely line where Blinky says that um, this, uh, this sort of shady guy with a cigarette and a, and a fedora tipped over his eyes, He um he's the one that's offered to, to buy everything and... Um, Winky oh. says it's very polite of this chap to do it, and um, and Blinky has the charming line where he, he tells us that he, I had an uncle once who was so polite he even tipped his hat to ladybugs. There we are. <laughs> it's definitely a different time. Absolutely. So yes, uh, they open up the treasure chest and it's filled with money and jewels, and they think, oh, we're rich. And of course, the shady guy says, nope, belongs to me, and he pulls a gun on them. And the dimwits say, oh, we're not scared, we've got a police whistle. So they blow in the police whistle, but it turns out it's not a police whistle. It's a dog whistle, yeah. And somehow, because of Barry's vibrational power, right? So, not so top of page six of the story now. Um, mm-hmm. not far away, Barry Allen hears Noddy's whistle toots, placing a ring in his finger. Blah blah. So Barry launches his costume. Someone blowing an SOS signal on a supersonic whistle. He thinks to himself, "Its vibrations can't be heard by ordinary ears, but I can hear them because my super swift body is geared to their sound." Indeed, it turns out Barry well, Flash recognizes this thug. As Tuffy Boras. Tuffy Boras. Yeah. Where, where does, does Tuffy Boras ever come? Where's your, where's your DC young animal Tuffy Boras miniseries? I, I think he, That's what I want to I think know. he joined the Lefty Doran gang uh, in prison or something like that. So yes, uh, Tuffy Boras is caught by the Flash and taken straight away to police headquarters. Mm-hmm. He's public enemy number six. So there are five people worse than him. So it's, it's probably... Yeah, because yeah, the desk sergeant says, look what the wind brought in. Tuffy Boraz probably came in amazing. Winky, Blinky, and what was the other one? Noddy. Noddy. Yeah, Noddy, not the Ina Blyton version. You would think this would be the end of the story, but no, there is no, more. No, it keeps going. They get some reward money for having helped catch Tuffy Boraz. Mm-hmm. And they set themselves up um, making inventions to order. They've decided to make a flying car. That's that's the best thing they could do. That's so yeah, they bang their heads together again to yeah. figure out how to do it. And yeah. they think all they have to do is install a giant Mexican jumping bean under the transmission. <laughs> it couldn't be simpler. I think there's a deleted scene from the first Iron Man movie where you know Tony reveals that his dad's idea of the flying car was, was something very similar. There we are. Uh-huh. Exciting. Uh, yes, but the next panel... also not true. <laughs> <laughs> the next panel is, is what the story should be about because they get a jumping bean and they pour some vitamin chemicals on it and put it under a sun lamp. Yep. And it turns into a giant jumping bean. Now, that should have been the story. Yeah, right that could have been on the... That, see, that's something I can imagine being on the cover. Yeah. You uh, know, Flash you know, giant versus giant jumping bean, you know. So they, they fit it onto a car and Noddy hits the button and it starts it's, bouncing about the place. It's worth pointing out that the car is is a distinctly retro-looking sort of jalopy. Yeah. There's even a panel... If, you, if you're reading along, if you have your copy of Flash 117 <laughs> to hand, um, halfway down page eight, there's a, there's a beautiful panel which... Cont has, you know, I've seen about Carmine's art style. There's yeah. some beautiful, sleek, big, long, you know, automobiles, and then this little jalopy flying Which over is the top so of them. out of place. Yeah, as is Winky Blinky. Yeah. Um, so they go flat. They go up, but of course, what goes up must come down. The jumping bean 
gear is not quite as steady as it might be, however, and they start falling and jumping wings up and down, and so does the car. Then uh, another crook comes across him and he thinks, I need a getaway car. And what better way to get away than in a flying car? So he climbs up the three dimwits who are all falling out the car and tries to get away in it. And the flash turns up again because, you know, they've been blowing the whistle and follows the car. He then uses one of his fantastic super speed whirlwinds to bring it back down to earth, but there's no one in the car. Because obviously the crook thought this is a rubbish way to escape and get out of the car very quick. And, you know, so Barry sets the car down and he's thinking, right, this, the, the, the Barry's got away. And we have a couple of panels of the, the villain. Nobody saw me jump from the car onto the roof of this building now to make my escape. This town will be too hot to hold me pretty soon. I better get out while I can. I'll have a bus down at the terminal in the centre of town. So the three lads elsewhere are show up at the corner of Fifth Avenue and Main Street. And then Blinky says, how come we're standing here, Noddy? And Noddy replies, because this is where that crook's got to come sooner or later. Didn't you ever hear the saying, if you stand at the corner of 5th and Main, you'll see everybody you ever knew? And funnily enough, funnily enough, they do see him. They do see him. He, he goes running past and he's heading towards, he's aware that Barry's chasing him, that the Flash is chasing him. So he, he makes tracks for the Wild West Museum. This is Dimwits blow the whistle again to get the Flash there. And they literally say to the Flash, he went that away. away. Yep. Yep, it's just like that, folks. Yep. So, the... so Barry, Barry goes into the, the Wild West Museum. Um, Interesting, Wild West, because the, the word West is obviously incredibly relevant to, to Barry and, <laughs> and his life and all that. It's um, not a bit an angry kid flash. No, it's not. Wild, Wild West, he was furious. So yeah, the villain guy has run in and then he sees a wax, suddenly he sees a wax dummy of, the, of Buffalo Bill Cody rushing towards him. And it turns out the Flash is pushing Buffalo Bill uh, on, on his horse and the crook decides to try and make a get well hide in a covered wagon. But the Flash hooks up the uh, statue of the horse uh, and the covered wagon and using the Buffalo Bill statue takes the crook all the way to the police station. And um, yeah, as opposed to just running him in himself, he actually yeah. takes him in with the statue. Yeah, and sadly, we don't we don't learn the name of this particular crook and we don't learn where he is in the most wanted list. No, which is a shame. And then you have the, the final panel. It's the three dimwits going away in their jalopy, no longer jumping, going, hi, a flash, if you ever need our help again. Just let us know. And and Barry says to himself, hmm, I wonder what madcap adventures those three dimwits will have next time I see them. And then there's a little final panel, editor's note. To his discomfort, it, the Flash to his discomfort will find out in a forthcoming issue. And all of the kids reading this comic cried out some unison going, oh dear God, no. <laughs> so we talked about how issue 116 had a letter from Roy Thomas. Mm-hmm asking for the, the return of the Dimwits. And then issue 117, the next issue published, had the story with the Dimwits. Now, issue 117 on its letters page has a letter from from one Gardner Fox. So we're just going to share that. Dear Editor, in all my 20 enjoyable years of writing comics, I must confess that my biggest thrill came when you recently asked me to revive Winky, Blinky and Noddy, the three Dimwits, for The Flash. Since some of you readers might be interested, I'm taking this opportunity to pass on the story behind the story about Flash and his three bird brain friends. I originated The Flash way back in 1939, and he made his initial appearance in The Flash Comics number one, dated January 1940. He proved so popular that I was decided to issue a companion magazine, All Flash Quarterly, which first appeared in summer of 1941. I was the writer, and E. He Hibbard was the artist for those early Flash issues. 
Um, Garner continues with issue number six of the successful All Flash, published in September, the cover date of September, October 1942. The magazine started on a bi monthly basis. The same issue also marked the debut of Winky, Blinky, and Noddy, whose names were inspired by Winkin, Blinkin, and Nod of poetical fame. The madcap adventures and inventions of this zany trio. No one says zany anymore, do they? No, not usually. When did people stop? 1982, I think people probably stopped saying yeah. zany after Tiz was. Anyway, the madcap adventures and inventions of this zany trio made them immediate favourites with Flash readers. Again and again, they appeared with Flash, both in Flash comics and all Flash. Incidentally, during 1946, they also ran riot through the pages of all American comics in non-Flash adventures. After a run of several years, I guess Flash and Three Dimwits ran out of gas, and both these features were discontinued. Now, a dozen years later, I am delighted to learn Flash is once more widely read and highly popular. I hope too that Winky, Blinky and Noddy will prove equally entertaining to your new generation of readers, for I am ready and anxious to furnish them with more of their madcap carryings on and their fantastic adventures. Then there's an editor's note in response to it from Julie Schwartz saying, Although this is the first story Gardner Fox has written for the new Flash, John Broom's a regular Flash writer, we will gladly call upon him for more Winky Blinky and Naughty Stories if you readers demand it. And um, we're now going to talk about the reader response to the Three Dimwit story in the letters page of Flash 120. So the story in issue 117, after being begged by Roy Thomas in 116, and so a couple of months later, issue 120 is out on the stands and Flash Grams. Cheers for the three dimwits. Dear editor, it seems as if every few weeks you come up with some innovation in your comics, which I would like to see continued, so that I am constantly writing letters to you about something or other. This time, as you might guess, I'm writing to say that I think artist Carmine Infantino's conception of the three dimwits is as good or better than the version that appeared in the 1940 Flash. I'm afraid that from now on any issue without them will have something missing as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait till they meet Kid Flash and or the, elong the elongated man. Roy Thomas this letter's from, and he was obviously delighted to see the, the three dimwits again. Roy continues, How about a near future issue featuring one big story in which Flash's friends decide to celebrate his birthday? Or perhaps his amazing accident which gave him super speed? Elongated man, Kid Flash and the dimwits could each decide to take over his duties for one day so he could relax. Of course, he would probably end up involved in each of their adventures before the day was over anyway, especially that of the Thimble Brains. But it would make a very interesting story to have all six of them together. And do you know what? I'm going to be, you know, as an aside, I think it would. I would have quite. <laughs> I would have. Would You're not, a champion of the three. I dimwits. would not have minded reading a story with Ralph and Wally and Barry <laughs> and the three dim. That would have been. I'm amazed Roy didn't do yeah, one. Yeah, it's sort of um, it's the fact obviously Roy is familiar enough with and, and reads the Flash is closely as he does so he can he can work out what the story would be like and all that sort of stuff you know um so roy continues one of my favorite old flash stories was in flash comics number 73 which had the dimwits inventing a fly flying submarine which took them and flash to another planet where they had all kinds of adventures it was one of the most amusing of the old flash tales and i was wondering if there is any chance of it being repeated in one form or another in the new flash it'd be even greater now Please keep having the dimwits invent crazy machines which never quite work out. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't soon a, mo a movement going for a whole comic about the dimwits. I would personally be glad to lead it. One more thing. I agree with one reader in the last issue that Green Lantern and Flash should occasionally appear in each other's stories, except that I would have also the other members of the JLA, such as Aquaman, etc., 
um, do so. I think this is the sort of thing. So anyway, so Roy basically is delighted that the Dimwits are back, and he's you know full of ideas and really hoped it would be popular. And the the next letter on the letters page um, from Mike Lodi of Monument Beach, Massachusetts, he's also very very happy about it. Yes, he says after reading your 117 issue of Flash, I think Winky Blinky and Nori are the best characters you've had in your books, with the exception of Flash himself. I think you should have many more stories about the merry madcap inventors. In my opinion, Kid Flash isn't worthy of his own book. Oh, and you blasphemy. shouldn't feature him so often. Instead of King Flash, I, King Flash, Kid Flash, I'd recommend more stories with the elongated man. Uh, Finally, Flash is my favourite of all the DC comics because it shows Flash fighting common criminals instead of fighting unbelievable creatures from outer space. He does both, Mike. Yeah, let's be honest. So that's that's Roy's delighted letter, and then some encouragement from Mike as well. So that's that's the two Roy's of letters. Yeah, Roy Roy Mike's letters were headed. Um, cheers for the three dimwits. Now, um, after Mike's letter, we have a little another little heading which says, "And jeers, mm-hmm. dear editor." Being an avid fan of your Flash book, without doubt the most, the best drawn, the mo- yes, without, without doubt the most drawn, without doubt the best drawn comic magazine published, and the most mature superhero comic magazine, with the exception of Winky, Blinky, and Noddy, who are outrageously infantile, are replying strong protest to the letter in Flash number one one seven, wherein Rick Conley gives a few pointers on how to improve Flash comics. In my opinion, Rick Conley should cut the scene to Outer Mongolia. Blimey, that's that's probably what that's people think that arguing online with a complete yeah. stranger and insulting a complete stranger and trolling a complete stranger is a new thing. So Mike Gearshaw continues, Winky, Blinky, and Noddy are ridiculously immature enough without your writer concocting such things as magic potions for Flash to cope with, as Rick suggests. You usually rely on scientific principles related in, in, in an editor's footnote and shy away from magic, Rick. Secondly, points out that Wiley Summers should rival with Barry Allen for Iris West's affections. How can you promote a good magazine with two-faced Iris? So basically, Mike Gersher of Palm Beach, FLA, where's that? Where's Flat? Fla? Is that Florida? Could be. I don't know. He doesn't like um, Winky Blinky and all the, and this, the next letter. This sentiment is echoed by pretty much everyone else. Let's just do highlights from the rest. Yeah, so, Dear editor, get rid of Winky Blinky and Noddy. They're messing up a very good comic with lots of cartoony garbage that went out with the silent movies. Um, and dear editor, in your sort of from a chap in Baltimore, in your latest issue one one seven, you at long last have been those three stupids whose return have been requested by many. This is key by many old time Flash fans. I think they're a waste of ink. I read Flash because I, I read Flash because I like the artists, I like the stories, and I like Kid Flash. Every time I read your magazine, I seem to go into new fads. Um, so that's one final request. Please don't reflect the three dimwits again. There we go. And these yeah. are these letters are followed with another little editor's comment. Uh, the above the above letters represent a sampling of reader reaction to the trial run of Winky Blinky and Noddy in Flash. The weight of opinion was heavily against continuing the adventures of the three dimwits. We're inclined to agree, unless of course a barrage of letters persuades us to reverse our decision. So it says and, Julie Schwartz. And there and I think it's probably safe to say there probably wasn't a barrage of letters. No. Might have been a barrage of letter. Yeah, Roy probably wrote in Roy Thomas got yeah. So so that was it for, for Winky, Blinky and Noddy. And they are, in a weird way, the first Golden Age characters to cross over into the Silver Age. And it's, and it's interesting because there's no indication that they've crossed over from... Another universe. Another no. universe. They're on no. the same... They're, they're characters who have previously encountered and mm-hmm. shared stories with the Golden Age Flash, mm-hmm. but they're now appearing in stories with the Silver Age Flash. However, they could have concocted some sort of machine which made know, out of, I don't know, buckets which and some, yeah, bits of cardboard yeah. and things. 
so that's I mean this one thing that we'll talk about um quite often as we go further forward is the is the slight sort of um confusion as to to which Earths some of the characters live on and transfer from and originate on. So there'll be a lot more of that. So it's interesting yeah. that in the very the very first story to feature a Golden Age character, there's already sort of a, a big continuity headache if you want to take, you know, you know, about because they'd already appeared in stories with the Golden Age flash. Unless this is the Earth One counterpart. Exactly. But so that's so that's that's another for, when we when we eventually petition DC Peter to to let us um write mm-hmm. our comic We'll probably do a story that that reconciles and teams up the Golden Age, Winky Blinky and Noddy with the the Earth One Silver Age one. I think, won't we? I don't think it's the Earth One. I think they have actually can go to the machine okay. that you know they've they've accidentally made a transmitter. Ah, you know, they'll do that, but then they'll they'll encounter the Earth One versions who pro- who won't be Winky and Blinky and Noddy, and they'll be completely different. They'll, they'll be super geniuses. Yeah, who can actually build flying cars that work. Yeah, they've, they've yeah. cured all diseases and, and made yep. it so that pets live forever. Indeed, or yes. something. So that's the first Silver Age story to feature a character that was previously published during the Golden Age. But we'd like to hear what you thought of the story. So you can get in touch with us by emailing us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Um, we might even give you a shout out on the show. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth 2 Podcast. And I'll be putting up the images of those letters pages for you to check out those amazing flashgrams yourself. So, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you later next time on the F2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.